0: So I got an email the other day from a student and a friend of the podcast, O'Donnie. You remember her from the Depression and the Suicide Podcasts, among other uh, topics, I think. And she asked if she could come on the show and ask yours truly, me, a bunch of questions about the podcast. And I actually don't really know what she's going to be asking me. But she's going to be asking me a bunch of questions, and she she wanted to share... These questions and these answers with you, the listeners. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a therapist and a professor. So, Odani, introduce yourself to Podcast Land once again, because you've been on the podcast before.
1: Yeah. Hi. um, This is Odani Palmer. Um, Thank you, Kirk, for having me on again um, and getting to turn the tables on you. (laughs) Um, So, I am a uh, student in the couple and family therapy program at Antioch. Um, Just finished up my last class. Last quarter, yeah, and so... um,
0: You just have to finish your internship, right?
1: Just have to finish my internship, and I'm still kind of nailing that down, being kind of picky about it. Um, So, uh, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. I'm also a fellow musician and creative person and cat lover.
0: A blogger and advocate for depression and suicide awareness.
1: Yes, Mm mm-hmm.
0: So, what's the first question?
1: My burning question for you is um, I I actually discovered Psychology in Seattle before I was a student at Antioch and didn't realize that you were faculty there. Oh, really? Yes. And so, bizarre. Yeah, it was very cool and I was very excited and very starstruck. Um, (laughs) But so, I'm just curious uh, how Psychology in Seattle started. Um, At the time, you were not. The chair um, of the CFT program. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just wherever you want to start with that. I'm just curious how it started, when it started.
0: Yeah. Well, I wasn't even teaching at Antioch at the time. I was. I, I've I've taken two breaks. S- as soon as I graduated in '97, I've been. I started teaching at Antioch, and I took two breaks because. And I didn't think of them as breaks. I thought they, that was it. I quit teaching because <laughs> it's, it's a lot of stress, and you don't get paid that much. And so you have to really love it. And so there were times when I started not loving it so much, or I don't know, just the stress. And so this was during my second break. And so I was, I think, really craving that teaching outlet. And because all I was doing was being a therapist, I had a private practice, And I had, you know, 20, 25 clients a week. And when you're in private practice and you have a full practice and it's going well, as it was for me in 2008, uh, this is before the the financial meltdown. Mm -hmm. But um, you actually have a lot of free time. You know, typically private practices are... 25, 30 sessions. And there's not a lot of paperwork, contrary to what a lot of people think. In private practice, there's hardly any paperwork at all. You know, a lot of high functioning clients, as they call them. And so I just had all this free time. And I worked from home, so I didn't have a commute. So that provided a whole other slew of free time. And again, I had this itch to teach. And I, was really getting into podcasts, listening to them. There were hardly any podcasts at that time. Mm-hmm. There were very few podcasts. Now there's just like there's just too many podcasts, too many good ones to listen to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Back then, I don't even think This American Life was a podcast at that point. There were science podcasts I listened to, and like one or two comedy podcasts. I mean, they the podcasts I listened to in 2008 they could have been like super shitty and I would still listen to them because I just I don't know I just really love that format Mm -hmm. and I just had this idea that well maybe I could make my own podcast that's kind of how I am as a creative person is I love 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 things you know movies or music or I don't know just whatever and I think maybe I could I want to do it myself I want to I I love this thing so much. I I want to I want to be a part of this thing even if mine is a shitty version mm-hmm. of what's out there. At least I'm participating in you know and I'm closer to the art or something.
1: And did you know that you wanted it to be psychology related?
0: Yeah, I think uh that's a good question. I don't remember ever considering a different topic. Maybe I did, but I don't think I did and i thought cuz i i started listening to psychology and psychotherapy podcasts and i just found that they were just so bad <laughs> i mean no offense to the ones that were in existence in 08 i mean they I, you know the the podcast i made in 08 wasn't any better than the podcasts that were out there but my point is is that i was like man these podcasts i'm listening to them and i like them and they're not really well made mm-hmm. i could probably you know, make one that could at least be a close sixth place behind mm-hmm. the other five podcasts at the time. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember I used to listen to podcasts and I'd specifically search out psychology related ones. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember what the names of these were, but there were only a handful of them and they were very, really shitty recordings. Yeah. They were therapists in training or therapists who, um, you know, had guests on who were other professionals, and it was just very dry. Um, But I listened to them. I I remember I used to listen to them like at the gym, you know, um, as a way to sort of learn um, before I started school when I was still kind of considering it. One of my brothers, uh, Tony, who's just a student of the world, always learning, um, he listened to them and he would tell me about them. He's totally into biology and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, you know, when there's something new that it's kind of like the internet, like I'll tell you about it. And then your brain's kind of like, what exactly is it? How does that even make sense? And so, um, but anyways, but, um, so I started listening to them and they were interesting at the time, but I just, the thing that was so cool about psychology in Seattle is I was like, wow, there's this guy who I feel like I could just be sitting at a cafe and talking to him because he's so down to earth and very approachable and you you know, one of the great things is that your personality is in there, and you 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 know insert little bits and pieces of your life and your thinking and your humor, mm. um, and so that's what I really appreciate about it. And I think that's hmm. from what I've um, heard and seen of other listeners. They're like, "Yeah, thank you so much. I don't feel like I'm you're talking over me." Or it's oh. um, so. so
0: interesting. I, I, someone else said that I think yesterday, and i never made a concerted i don't think effort to do that Mm -hmm. i think it's just my who just who i am i can't help it plus after like like the first few you know tens of episodes i i don't think i did that as much because i Mm -hmm. was so nervous i just Mm -hmm. i didn't know what to say and i wanted to be as as private as possible, even just Mm -hmm. with my own humor or something. Mm -hmm. And then at least I think I, I think that's the case. Hmm. And then over time I've just loosened up essentially. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think it just, it's just the the number one reason why I do the podcast is it's fun to have conversations with people. Mm Mm-hmm. I was talking with Rebecca Bloom, whom you might remember from. Mm-hmm. She's an art therapist, and she, she, you know, I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if she wants me to say this, but you know, she's got a busy life. She's a professional, a, a mother, and a wife, and you know, she's got all these things to do. And socializing isn't, uh, is you know, it, it get it gets lost in mm-hmm. the shuffle of priorities. And podcasting is this really concentrated social hour for Mm -hmm. her in which we get to talk about something interesting and, you know, joke around. And, you know, before Rebecca and I would go to lunch, you know, like once every two or three months, you know, we'd go to lunch and talk for a couple hours. And now we just do podcasts and talk for a couple hours. And for me, it's the same thing. It's just Mm. this great opportunity To sit down with someone like yourself, Odani, and have like a concentrated conversation Mm -hmm. where you're really listening to each other, you Mm -hmm. know? Because when you're over lunch, it's like you're kind of distracted. But when you're doing a podcast, you have to to really listen because people are listening to the conversation, you know?
1: Right. Do you ever find yourself, though, because, you know, it's human to kind of zone out.
0: (laughs) During podcasts? (laughs)
1: And realize like... They've been talking for a few minutes, and I don't really know what they just.
0: <laughs> said. Well, I don't. That doesn't usually happen because I'm usually one, the one talking for a long time, and everyone else, like yourself, is just sort of chiming in every now and then. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's not. But you know, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially in the beginning, when I made the podcast at the beginning, because there's so many things to think about as a broadcaster. Essentially, mm-hmm. you have to think about what you're saying. You have to think about the pacing, the way you're talking, whether or not it's recording. You know, I keep, you might see me, Odani, keep looking back at Mm -hmm. the computer to make sure that the levels are okay and that the computer hasn't crashed, which happens sometimes. I have to pay attention to you. I have to be empathetic to you. I have to think about all the listeners. And we have, you know, thousands of people listening and each, there's different types of listeners some people want to hear this sort of thing some people want to hear this some people like swearing some people don't like swearing Mm -hmm. and so and i have to keep my face like pressed up against the microphone i have to think about whether or not you're into the microphone i have to think about our headphones and levels and there's just so many things to think about Mm -hmm. and in the beginning so all those things basically meant that i couldn't really listen to people when they were talking because as they were talking i was reviewing all these checklists right after i i don't know how, what episode number we're at right now like 400 or something 500 i it's now just so so much second nature that and but it's been 8 years i've been doing this wow. thing for 8 years you do something for eight years, that's going to become second nature to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, know? you got your arm like slung over the uh, I the look, mic stand. <laughs> I, I look comfortable. You look very comfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I am. Honestly, I am. And in the beginning, I would, I was sweating bullets, mm-hmm. you know, just like terrified. Yeah. And couldn't think straight, couldn't put a sentence together. Wow. I, I used to edit the podcast heavily. There were, there were episodes that I probably only use twenty percent of what was said because mm. so much of what I was doing and what other people were doing, particularly me, was just like unusable. Hmm. Just a lot of ums and a lot of broken sentences and a sure. lot of just stupidity would come out of my mouth. And and now I I can just I don't know, I'm just way more comfortable essentially. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you, Adani.
1: Oh geez, okay.
0: Why don't you have a podcast? <laughs>
1: That's a great question. Because I know you have
0: similar creative energies and you have similar advocacy uh, desires and similar you've done similar things like blogging mm-hmm. and stuff and so why don't you have your own podcast
1: that's a great question it's funny um after i did the depression podcast with you my brother tony who's the same one who got me into podcasts was super excited about it. And he's like you should totally have your own podcast and, and i appreciate how excited he gets about things and i was like yeah i totally should but then i'm like oh my gosh that's i mean it's a big responsibility and it's a big yeah chunk of your time and yeah. there's the technical aspect of it and like you yeah. know there's money that you invest in the equipment and such yeah. um, but I'm actually I've been thinking about starting a podcast um, but it would be uh, focused on creativity hmm. and the creative process um, and so you're kind of the first person that I'm sort of cool. uh, interviewing
0: sure well you could use this in your it, that would you, be when you start up
1: fricking awesome, thank yeah. you. appreciate that
0: so you can talk to artists and musicians. any or...
1: anyone like I even want to talk to my brother Tony um because he's a pr- computer programmer and there's a lot of creativity that goes into that mm. and I think just there's you can't escape creativity yeah what are you gonna I call maybe, it I have no idea
0: ODonny's creations mm. Creations with O'Donny <laughs> It's just just a great name you know like a name like Kirk Honda. Doctor Kirkonda, you know what it I mean. It sounds
1: very official.
0: It does. I just it always sound, sounded like a stage name. You know? Really? Yeah. It's like I've actually people have come to me and said, "Okay, yeah, what's your real name?"
1: Really? Oh yeah. Uh,
0: but O'Donnie, you know, it's it's like Oprah.
1: You oh know, my god! The first
0: time you heard the name Oprah, you'd you'd never heard that name before, right? No. And so Oprah is Oprah, and you could be. So o- I
1: could be the other O. You
0: could be the other O. I could be the other O'Donny. O. Donny. You could just call it O'Donnie, like Oprah.
1: Okay, yeah, but I'm not going to be giving out free stuff to people.
0: Yeah, well, you know, down the line. Free hugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> free air hugs over the air. <laughs> Pod hugs. <laughs> Pod hugs. I like that. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see.
0: Well, I, I I hope you do. Thank you. I will sometimes come across people like yourself and just think, why don't they have a podcast? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, you're label, you know, you you listed off some of the barriers, and certainly those are issues. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, that's it's not a small task. But you know, I it's not as hard as I think people think it is.
1: Yeah, know?
0: like you're a musician, right? Mm-hmm. And you run into people that might look at you and go like, Oh, I've always wanted to learn how to play guitar and mm-hmm. never did it. And you are kinda of look at it and I'm like, you realize I am I'm just a schlub that just picked it up and, right. and just kinda I don't of, know what
1: I'm playing most of the time. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, yeah. I'm just I'm just kind of messing around. Right. And you are like you know, maybe like 10 hours away from being as good as I am. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know about your guitar skills, O'Donnie, but I, I'm terrible.
1: no, Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> and, and so uh, it, it's with podcasts, it's the same thing, you know, when people talk, well, you know, and I'm just like, I don't think you realize, like, once you get, you know, the inertia going, mm-hmm. get over the inertia, it's actually not that hard, especially when you think about the fact that, you can do it when you have the energy for it, you know? Sure. If so, you need six months off, you take six months off. No right. Deal.
1: So that's actually, um, and I don't want to make this about my issues, but um, one of the big barriers that comes up for me is knowing that I have my ups and downs with depression and, um, you know, going to school and have a job and being, you know, um, it takes up a lot of energy and I find myself with low energy a lot of times and sometimes it's unexpected. And so I feel like, you know, sometimes I have sort of like bloggers guilt because I'll go through spats of like not writing for a while and I'm just like, well, I do it when I can. But I don't, for some reason in the the podcast format, I feel like pressure to have content and be outputting.
0: I think there's two kinds of podcasts. There's the kind like mine that you know, it's, it's regular. It's at least once a week, if not two or three, four times a week. And I've, and I dedicated myself early on to that model because the, my favorite podcasts were, were, were regular. Mm-hmm. And the podcasts that were random annoyed me, <laughs> you know, it's just like when yeah. you know, like a month or two would go by and I'd say, oh, I guess the podcast is over. And then all of a sudden one would pop up and I'd just right. be like, where have you been all this time? You know? right. And, and so, so there's that, but when people discover your podcast, they will just go back to the beginning and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be five years ago. Like there was a podcast about Rome. I think it's just called Rome. And by the time I discovered it, it was over, Mm -hmm. but, but he had this treasure trove of like, I don't know, a hundred, 200 episodes they were just sitting there, and I just mm-hmm. listened from beginning to the very end of that thing.
2: Right,
1: I guess it's kind of like you know those Netflix shows, right. Netflix shows that only have one season, exactly, and then you are just left hungering yeah. for more. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just don't want to put people in that position. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put them there.
0: So you have another question there?
1: I do. I am um, curious about so specifically being a therapist. There is a lot of. Um, so one of the, one of the courses in the program is ethics, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I'm I know cu- where this is going. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, and I imagine this was part of kind of uh, your feeling like holding back when you first started the podcast. Like, how do you balance sharing perhaps a limited amount of yourself, or uh, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, how how mm-hmm. do you know if you're going too far in terms of sharing, t- disclosing?
0: Yeah. Well, let me. Let me test you, Adani. There's, oh, God. There's going to be these sorts of questions on the licensing exam, so this is good practice.
1: Can't wait.
0: What ethical codes are at play regarding this question? Do you know?
1: Um, what ethical codes are at play? Yeah. I mean, I guess it just comes down to, I mean, the blanketed one I'm thinking of is basically wanting to keep your clients safe or yeah. like... good. Right. Yeah.
0: So, and it, we want to be beneficial to our clients, mm-hmm. and we don't want to harm them. Right. So it's beneficence versus maleficence. I think is the word.
1: I think that's a Angelina Jolie.
0: Yeah. Disney movie. Movie. Yeah. It's also kind of like Millie Vanilli. Ma- Malevolent. <laughs> anyway.
1: Malfeasance.
0: You want to be good and not bad, and to your clients. And so, what? sort of thing might I say on a podcast that would be harmful other than talking about them, which we'll get into in another second. But what might I do that might actually harm them on the podcast?
1: Oh, geez. Now you're getting really specific.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I guess I can't think of like something specific that you might say, but perhaps it has more to do with your position as a professional, as someone who's...
0: Representing the field? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. So that's a little bit more of a fuzzy area in terms of representing the field. And there are standards of practice in our field that, for instance, we're. I remember reading once in Ethics when I was in the 90s, and there was this example and it really bothered me actually at the time and it said and it's it's a, and it's uh it's debatable but what this book was saying was that if you get really drunk and stand up on a table and start, you know, making a fool out of yourself in a bar that's actually unethical because you are misrepresenting our field. You're making all of us look like we're chumps mm-hmm. and that actually degrades the field which You know, perhaps might degrade the treatment of clients and blah, blah, blah. And therefore, that's unethical. I don't agree with that. I feel like once you're off the clock, aside from a few certain instances, you're free to. Do whatever you want to. It's a free fucking country, and there is nothing illegal about getting drunk and standing up on a table and saying a bunch of stupid shit. You know what I mean, right? Um, so
1: it's not yeah. like you are hanging out with a client, and
0: right, as yeah. long as you are not directly harming a client, I, I I don't see the problem with that. Plus, you know, every week it's a thing that I like to do is get super drunk and stand on a table and make a fool <laughs> out of myself, and I just don't want that to be taken away from me it's it's a pastime if you will sure yeah of course i never remember it because i'm blacked (laughs) out and so that's why i keep doing it every weekend like some kind of Um, umberto just
1: keeps telling you
0: yeah no he's blacked out again too honestly (laughs) um but anyway so so yeah so there's that but the the main harm is say someone is and, and the reason why you can't come up with this is because off the top of your head is because it's not a very likely thing to happen Mm -hmm. so say I have a client so I do I have clients right now and say they're listening to the podcast which I know actually some of them do and I say something like I hate Republicans Mm -hmm. I think they are all dickholes and da 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 well if you know some of my clients are Republicans and some of them are then they will go from trusting me and liking me and feeling like we have a good relationship to being hurt by me, mm-hmm. and the next time they come into the office, they're probably not going to mention it, and they're going to secretly think that, that there's something you know wrong with them or wrong with me, it'll interfere. They might even drop out of therapy altogether. And so that's an example of how I might say something on the podcast that could harm the treatment. Of, mm-hmm. with, with a client. And there's a lot of things I could say that could do something like that. Mm-hmm. So I am always thinking about that. Everything that I do on the podcast, I am aware that some of my clients, if not all of them, are listening to every single word I say. Now, sometimes I take a little bit of a risk now and then, you know, I'll, I'll say something political or, and I do it with purpose. And there are times when I will completely excise things that I say mm-hmm. in the podcast. I just did that the other day. I just, I talked, it wasn't even that bad, but I just thought, you know what? That's just too, I don't know. It, it I don't want my clients to hear that mm-hmm. thing. And so I took that out. And so, so that's one ethical area mm-hmm. to think about in terms of harm and benefit to clients. Mm-hmm. Um, Having said that, there are things that I'll say in the podcast that will actually benefit my clients because sure. I'm advocating for things, I'm normalizing things. They might even hear it's like, wow, you know, when he's talking on the podcast, he might not even know I'm listening, and I'm listening to him say things, and and he's reinforcing things he said to me in therapy, which means that he's really being genuine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like hearing, yeah. you know, so. There's even a potential benefit to Mm -hmm. to listening to the podcast as a client. Yeah. Um, The other ethical area is confidentiality. If I talk about clients, that is potentially a breach in confidentiality and would harm a client or at least just violate their privacy. And I'm always, always thinking about that in terms of my clients. Um, Whenever I present on a case, I will either make it so general that – the client might even wonder if I'm talking about them, mm-hmm. or I'll change details so that there's no way that they could be identified. Sure. And um, and I also, even the, so there, there are examples that I could tell about clients that might meet all those criteria, but I still won't say them because what if they heard me talking about that? Right. It could you know, just imagine yourself, you're talking to a therapist and then they have a podcast. And even if you were like, yeah, I'm just trying to think of an example, you know, it's like, yeah, I have this client who, this is completely fictional, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I have this client who was, you know, sexually abused while she was at the beach by the lifeguard or something. it's completely fictional. I've never heard that any client say that to me, but, and, you know, she now is terrified of lakes or something. Well, if I thought that the client wasn't exactly super comfortable with me advertising that, even though I'm not identifying mm-hmm. her and I'm not, there's no way to know that, that that's the person or, um, you know, say I even changed the location. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she says it happened in Minnesota, but I say it happened in Russia, you know, sure, and I change it to a man instead of a woman, or mm-hmm. I change it from a lifeguard to a police officer or something, you know, even then, there are some people that I'm, I'm just guessing mm-hmm. there's a chance that they would actually feel really hurt that mm-hmm. I just broadcasted that out there. And so in those instances, I, I, I'll just err on the side of caution and mm-hmm. won't say anything about that. Yeah. Um, in the APA ethical codes, um, which are different from MFT codes, they actually specifically talk about this. And it's okay to break confidentiality. It's okay to talk about cases as long as it's in an educative or advocacy uh reason. Mm-hmm. You can't just talk about a case for no reason. It has right. has to be a reason for it, and you can absolutely make a case that why I talk about cases on this podcast are for education and for advocacy. Mm-hmm. Just other kinds of things I think about are people will write in and will email mm-hmm. me, and mm-hmm. then I'll read their emails. Oh sure. And uh I have to make judgment calls as to whether or not I should say their name on the podcast mm-hmm. and you know or even read it at all
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you would think I would go back and forth with people and just yeah. be like, "Is, it, Is okay? it okay but honestly, and there are so many th- time consuming things and things I forget like sometimes I just skip that that you know that step, and also I just figure. If you listen to the podcast, you know I read emails sometimes. And so right. if you're emailing me, it's unless you say specifically, don't read this, then there's right. a chance I'm going to read it. Plus, if it's personal, I, I'll either take out personal details or I will obviously not mention their name. Right. But I have made mistakes along this, these lines because it's just me recording, you know, and sometimes I don't remember or... I forget to edit something out, mm-hmm. and some of my most terrible, mortifying moments of the podcast involved just that sort of thing where someone emails me like right after I release an episode, and they're like, What the fuck, dude?" and I'll be like oh, what ladies. what do you mean what What happened you know and then i'm just I'm just so you know apologetic and just you know because it's like there's no point in harming a listener in that right. way, you know what I mean and so
1: so do you just pull?
0: So I'll just pull episodes or or I'll edit it and repost it or something, which I've done before. And uh, now I feel much uh, more buttoned up about that whole process, particularly because of something that happened within the last couple years. And so I have all these notes everywhere and, you know, just like err on the side of safety. Just (laughs) don't mention their name. I mean, the reason why I mention people's names is because when I write into a podcast, I want them to read my name. God damn it. (laughs)
1: It's my real name. <laughs> yeah, it's not a
0: stage name. I want, you know, it's a little bit of recognition of just like, oh my God, they said my name on the podcast. Right, you know? right. That's yeah. the only reason why I do it. Like, what do I care about someone right. named Jennifer and Minnesota? Have you ever
1: had someone who's like, hey, I know that was my letter. How come you didn't read my name? Yes. Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, not angry, but just like... um,
1: like, what gives, dude?
0: Yeah, just kind of like, <laughs> you, you know, you could have said my name. That would have been okay. Right. Um, like a lot of other podcasts, you know, they'll say like, you know, Jennifer Anderson from Minnesota. You know, they'll, they'll say the whole thing. But mm. that those are emails having to do with not the kind of emails that I get, you know what I mean? Right, right. So
1: do you ever, because um, you said that some of your clients do listen to the podcast and you know they do, does the podcast or any – content on any of the episodes ever come up in your sessions with clients?
0: Yes, actually. Yeah. Some of my uh, clients will say, so I was listening to your episode about blah, blah, blah. And you know, I just want to talk about that Hmm. or something, or they'll say, you should do a podcast about what we're talking about right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I will make note of that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So that brings me to another question is how do you come up with, The content. I mean, I imagine listeners will will suggest things. Perhaps your colleagues and friends in conversation. You'll be like, "Oh, that'd be great." Yeah. But do you have like a library of like these are some ideas that I have?
0: Yeah, I have eight years of ideas, and I'm a brainstormer. You Mm -hmm. know, something will occur to me, and I'll I'll be like jogging or something, and I'll take out my phone and like send me myself an email, like do an episode on this, you Mm -hmm. know you know it's sort of like when you're high and you're just like <laughs> the world is flat you know what i mean or everyone is connected you know you just have these inspirations and you you know so i yeah i have just pages and pages but more recently since i started doing patreon i've just been focusing on the patrons in terms of mm-hmm. what they request cuz cuz they're pretty active as listeners mm-hmm. and will email frequently you're a patron of the podcast mm-hmm. i think Yeah. yeah Thank you very much, Odani. And yeah. um, I always feel bad. Like, anyway, I won't go down that road, but. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to have people that I know pay money to be a patron of the podcast, it just, I don't know, it just feels just, I don't know. It, it's like. We're
1: supporters too, man.
0: guilt, you know. So if you have a podcast, I'll absolutely become a patron of that podcast. Just, cool. Just to let you know. But anyway. Um, So, yeah, so the patrons are a major, uh, you know, fuel for the topics. But also, I've just learned over time what my listeners want to hear. And they are not what I would have intuited when I first started this podcast.
2: Like
1: what?
0: Like people want to hear me talk for like, I just finished an episode last night after a month of doing a rabbit hole about histrionic personality disorder. I, I did that, uh, because I came across some literature on histrionics, some literature on the history. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't know that. And then, so I just gathered, you know, hundreds of sources and then, started taking notes and, you know, started piecing it all together. And then I reflected on my own histrionic clients and even in my personal life and, and just started piecing. And so that took literally like three or four weeks Hmm. of, you know, just hours, like just a whole Sunday. That's Hmm. all I would do, you know, or a whole Wednesday night, you know? And I, I, Know that the listeners really love that because when I have so the first time I ever so this is a little bit of this might help. Is I thought just from my own perspective, no one would want to hear me talking by myself. I just figured there's no way mm-hmm. people want to hear Kirk. I hate it when people refer themselves to the third person. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I figured no one would want to hear me. Talk by you know by myself. That was just like there's no that's never yeah. happening. That's narcissistic. So you, you
1: never thought of the podcast as just you talking. You always thought of it with like a sidekick partner or someone,
0: right? Okay. Or a crowd. I mean, in the beginning, it was me, Lita, and Umberto, and I considered myself to be, you know, like the the doctor Drew, and then mm-hmm. at the Adam Corolla is Lita <laughs> and Umberto, and mm-hmm. you know when you think about Loveline. You know, Drew was important, but really Adam Carolla was more important. You know, he his, yeah. his, he kept things moving. He was funny, and right. without you know, you could have had Love Line without Doctor Drew, but you could not have it with without Adam Carolla. Yeah, and so that's how I saw it. Is like I'm I'm just the I'm just the boring you know clinician. You need people <laughs> that are exciting, you know. And then I don't know. It was probably like six years ago or something. I did a. Deep dive on the psychodynamic analysis of the, um, oh, what do they call those tapes? I can't remember her name. But anyway, the, in the 60s, Ro- uh, Rogers and Fritz Pearls and Albert Ellis was it Albert Ellis? Oh, um, were
1: they interviewed?
0: Yeah, they all interviewed the same the client. Same
1: woman, yeah.
0: Man, was it Ellis? It was Rogers, Pearls, I think it was Ellis. Okay, yeah. And they each did their own version of therapy, and it's just fascinating to watch this. It's also fascinating to learn the history after that point because...
1: Didn't she stay in touch with one of the therapists?
0: Well, so she chose Fritz Perls as her therapist, but Mm. but then 20 years later or something, she wrote that she wished she had chose Rogers, Mm. Um, which is (laughs) just total vindication for most therapists because everyone loves Rogers and, and Fritz Pearls is not well loved. He, you know, there are people that respect him, but even Gestalt people don't like the way that Pearls was a therapist. And so, cause he was such a dick. I mean, mm. he was, he was a jerk to people, but, and there's, there's a place for that kind of therapy. But anyway, the point is, is that I did a deep dive on that and I thought I am, I don't want to bore my, Co-hosts with this, they're going to be so bored with this. It's going to be so boring for them. <laughs> uh, I just need to do it by myself, and so I made that episode, and I fully expected it to just sort of, you know, be forgotten. But very quickly, and still to this day, people come across it on i on YouTube, and they'll they'll even because at the very end of the episode, I I was like, so. Is this the sort of thing you want? (laughs) Because I feel like this is bad. And so people hear that today, even though it's six years later or something, and they'll email me and they'll be like, so I just want an email. to tell you, I really do like that episode. And I, I like it when you talk, you know, by yourself. And I like the episodes with Umberto and the others, but I also like it when you go really deep into the technical. People love, the technical talk. Mm -hmm. They just love the psychodynamic and the theory talk. And even non, I would guess most of our listeners are not therapists Mm -hmm. and they love the technical talk, Mm -hmm. which is just bizarre to me, you know? But, but then I also think the science, the science podcasts I listen to, they Mm -hmm. get super technical and it has no relation to my work or my life, but I just love hearing all the, the process of how they work things out and, there are times when I have no idea what they're talking about, but you know, I still listen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or there's like, you know, the history channel or Nova or people dig that. Yeah.
0: Right. And psychology is applicable to all of our lives. We all have a a mind, you Mm -hmm. know, and a personality. And so I think that that's why people like it. So I know your original long answer, but your original (laughs) question was, how do I choose topics? Well, so I've learned from feedback from listeners that they like those technical episodes. And so when I am inspired to make one like the histrionic episode, I will dedicate that time. And I, and I like to nerd out on it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so that's one way. And, um, other things that I've learned from listeners is they like, there's a certain percentage of people that love the game of Thrones episodes that I think I've only done two actually. Um, people love it when we talk when we analyze movie characters or culture, you know, TV shows. I did I did not expect people to like that, but people, oh yeah, well, because the first time I made it, I'm like, who's gonna care about this? But to to this day on YouTube anyway, all of the most popular episodes involve like I think our most one of our most the the most popular one I think is the um is the uh, Ramsey Bolton episode. Hmm. Do you watch Game of Thrones?
1: I've lost track Okay. like 2 seasons ago. Well,
0: one of the bad guys. Um and then another episode the Joffrey Baratheon you might mm-hmm. remember. Again. Oh yeah. Um another episode that's really popular is Gone Girl that when we analyzed the movie yeah. Gone Girl. Uh and just just things like that and you just wouldn't think that those would be so popular but but they are and so
1: I I totally see why they are though. Really, I mean it's like popular culture. Yeah, a lot of people can relate because they've seen it, and it's right. you know. Yeah. And you just did one. Did you just do one on Stranger Things? Yeah. Okay. Right. I haven't heard that one yet. Right.
0: That one wasn't so much of an analysis as much as just me and Umberto just talking about, or really just me talking about how much I love the show and just, <laughs> and and the eighties aspects of it, you know, and so. Um. And I don't think people enjoy those episodes very much because it's not... It's, it's like, basic, where's the psychology? Right. There's no... It's just us. <laughs> but see, that's <laughs> the other thing. Is just like, you know, fuck it. Uh, it's my podcast. <laughs> and I, I want to have this conversation with Umberto. So it's going to happen, people.
1: So someday I'll be able to just talk about whatever the hell I want to talk yeah, about. right. Exactly. <laughs> with my one patron, Kurt Honda. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yay! <laughs> um. So Patreon... That is a pretty recent thing, right? Yeah. Like a year or two? One year, yeah. One year. How has that changed um, the process of putting things together? Or has it.
0: Yeah. Well, prior to Patreon, I would make an episode once a week. And that was pretty much all I had the energy for. Um, I always sort of had a fantasy of doing it more than once a week because there's just so many things to talk about, mm-hmm. you know? And, but I was like, you know what? I'm doing this for free. Actually, it cost me money to do it. And there were some people donating, but it was pretty, pretty minimal. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't feel, I don't know, congruent or something to be spending all this time on something that cost me money. (laughs) Even though we had a, you know, great listenership and people emailing and I enjoyed it, it just, like once a week is a lot of fucking work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but when we actually started, you know, making money through Patreon, it's not that much because once you get all the percentages and I pay people and it, you know, it's, it's not that much that I get personally. I would still, let's just put it this way. I would still, if I wanted to make money, I could make a lot more money per hour if I just had clients, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause, but anyway, um, That motivated me, it sort of gave me the excuse to make more episodes, you know, to be like, well, hey, it's making money now. It's not just complete waste of time, you know, like it's actually producing an income and might have the promise of growing an income as Mm -hmm. I move forward. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me the excuse to make more episodes and to communicate much more in a much more dedicated way to the patrons. We have about 330 patrons, I think, currently. And there are patrons that email me all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and so it, it just feels more like a community now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before it was like, you know, 50,000 people listening and like maybe one or two people I recognize, but not very many people mm-hmm. emailing me. Mm-hmm. And so so it's so,
1: like less pump up the volume more. I don't know what would be the.
0: Yeah what's the smaller version of pump up the volume? You know, like, I don't know. Just, it just feels more like a community, just more like, Hey, we're all in this together, you know? And, you know, and some people will, you know, I will actually interact with personally. Um, they'll call me for consultation or, Uh, The one listener, she sends me audio files. She'll just record an audio file and like email it to me and go like, listen to this. I just, I'm just going to talk at you for a little bit. You know what I mean? And, you know, so I have, you know, honest to goodness relationships Mm -hmm. with, with many of the patrons and it, it feels better that way. I like having it being a a smaller community, Mm -hmm. you know, 50,000 people, It's like, you know, who are, you know, it's not a huge crowd, but it's like, that's a lot of people, but 330, it's much more easier to Mm -hmm. kind of wrap my mind around. Having said that, I wish it was more like 700 or a thousand, honestly.
2: Sure. um,
0: In terms of the (laughs) income, but because then I could, you know, really dedicate my time to this sort of thing. So, uh, but actually in two weeks, I think I'm going to find out, have you been hearing ads on the podcast? No, because you're, you're a patron, so you don't Mm -hmm. hear the ads, but but we recently added advertisements to the non to the non-patron feed and uh, i don't know how much money that's going to make mm-hmm. and i find out i think in 2 weeks oh wow because it needs a bunch of data to like figure out how many hits and mm-hmm, how many mm-hmm. listen you know and so it could be either zero <laughs> money which is you know possible which is kind of what i'm preparing myself for you know mm-hmm. or it could be a lot. It's I just don't know what is going to happen. Hmm. And so I'll, once I find that out, um I, you know, if it is a lot, I might really be able to dedicate even more time to making each episode very in depth, you know. Hmm. Um which I think would be really exciting.
1: Yeah. And then how would that impact cuz I mean you're a busy you're a busy man.
2: Yeah. You
1: you teach, you're a chair yeah. You my practice. have a practice. You have a social life. Yeah. I'm just very curious how you balance all of that and how do you, like, is your calendar just like packed?
0: Yeah. My calendar is packed, but I like it that way. Hmm. I don't watch TV very much. I watch sports. I watch the Huskies and the Seahawks, but I record it and I skip the commercials. And I also skip the offense of the other team. I don't I, I, I mainly like watching my own team's offense hmm. uh drives. So so I'm always trying to optimize time. Um and that's something that I've always been like, I think. Hmm. And so yeah. So that's that's part of it. But another part of it is with with more time in the podcast, I'm actually cutting back on my private practice because that's that's okay. the only thing in my life that actually I could reduce okay I can't reduce my responsibilities at the university there's There's no way that can happen mm-hmm. um, and I can't reduce you know my social life really, and I can't mm-hmm. reduce my family and friends kind of situations and so so' I've, so yeah. my practice is actually the smallest it's ever been right now
1: Wow yeah. Are you still making music or you were in a band, right?
0: Oh, well, that's another, actually, that's (laughs) another thing I sort of cut out was a full time band, uh, you know, action where you're practicing once or twice a week and playing once Mm -hmm. a month like, yeah, I don't do that anymore either. But I cut that out a long time ago because I just didn't have the time. Plus, the drummer in my band moved back to Mexico and I'm very particular about the people in my band Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's really hard to find this sort of drummer that I like, and so um, I just sort of gave up at that point. Right now, I'm playing music with this other singer songwriter, and we uh, sing at Pike Place Market and stuff. Cool. And we just sing like Beatles songs and stuff, and it's and that it's it's fun. But we don't we don't play that often, and we don't practice that often. We used to practice every week, but we don't do that anymore. Um, yeah. So so that's that's what that's where it comes out is my practice for the most part. Another thing is, is that I, I don't know if you know this, O'Donnie, but I am actually appointing someone to be program director and then I'm stepping down. No. Yeah. Jen, Jennifer Sampson, do you know her?
1: Oh my, yes. Yeah.
0: So, (laughs) so she's, you know, a professor at Antioch and she's associate chair right now. So Uh like vice chair. And then I'm going to, in July, I'm going to make her chair of the program and I've already, I've already laid it all out.
1: That's super cool. Yeah. She's actually the person that I'm hoping to intern with.
0: Oh, great. At the hoarding project. Yeah. In Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I think she's going to be great. And I have been chair, you know, I will have been chair basically for two years. But I was kind of like vice chair for five years prior to that. Mm -hmm. It's just been a lot of leadership and a lot of meetings and a lot of marketing, a -hmm. lot of report writing, a lot of outcomes, a lot of accreditation stuff. And I'm ready for someone else to Mm -hmm. do all those things. And Dr. Sampson is totally capable of that. I mean, she, she's such an administrator on her own. She created the hoarding project, which is perhaps the first and currently biggest hoarding disorder, uh, organization in the world. Mm -hmm. And she just started that on her own because she wanted to. And, and, and she's young too. I think she's in her thirties. And so, um, she's a, she's a born administrator. And so, and she's really looking forward to it, to being chair.
2: Um, and she
0: has a lot of energy and, and she has a lot of ideas. And so when, so that's another thing that that's more just me kind of being burnt out on program being mm-hmm. program director but it will also mean i'll have more time for yeah. things like the podcast or whatever else i can i can do
1: if you could do the podcast full time or mostly spend a lot of your time on it would you is that something you'd want to do
0: yeah i mean at this point in my career i get a tremendous amount of professional satisfaction from the podcast The podcast is just this wide open field of playground for me, you Mm -hmm. know, where I could, there's just so many toys to play on. You get to
1: like geek out all the time. Right, exactly. That's cool.
0: Well, um, what's, what are you being picky about your internship about? Um, Supervisors?
1: I think just all of it, the whole experience. I also feel like, because I did do a quarter um, internship uh, last fall. At uh, the um, I wanted to stay Atlantic Street Project, but that's a Atlantic Street Center. That's a combination of the hoarding project and yeah. <laughs> Atlantic, Atlantic Street Center. Um, and it was just it was a it was a difficult experience, just because I was. It's an intense experience in internship to begin with, but also just I was balancing a lot of personal stuff, yeah. and so I think I'm, you know, I took a step back from that because I wanted to gain a little more stability in my life. And, um, I think I'm a little apprehensive about diving back into that and getting into that same position. Yeah. Um, although I don't think that that's going to happen, but, um, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot of time and a lot of money and I want to make sure that I'm going and getting into a a situation that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I kind of looked at it as I could either go that way or just be like, fuck it. I need to get the hours and
0: yeah. Um, I would recommend considering the second option. Really? Yeah. Not. I'm not saying that's the best option for you. You'll have to think about that. Mm-hmm. But I would absolutely have that in the top two or three options. Um, because you can't start your career until you graduate. Right. And sometimes internships have nothing to do with your career. Uh, many people put a lot of sort of meaning into their internship. Like, well... What if I choose the wrong internship right. and it's the wrong population and my supervisor isn't the right supervisor? And it's just like in the scheme of your career, it's, you know, if it's terrible, it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. once you graduate, you're going to have a lot of supervisors. You're going to have a lot of different experiences. You'll have opportunities to work in all sorts of places and quit and work somewhere else. And so,
1: yeah. And it's a learning process regardless. Of yeah. Yeah. What absolutely. your experience is. So. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, say your internship is worthless, which happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, That does not set you back at all. I mean, in the grand scheme of your career, Mm -hmm. Uh, it you know you'll. So, to me, wouldn't it be great to start earning money? Yes, and you can't do that until you graduate. And so, uh, uh, and when you graduate, so many different things opportunities open up. You Mm -hmm. know that that aren't opportunities for internship. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with looking for a great internship by all means do that. But at the same time, if that doesn't work out, then I, I would recommend considering just, just that's my second
1: plan of attack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess just in, in general, you know, when people think of creative process, they think of like being artists or, you know, you're manually sculpting something or writing a song and, I know that as a musician, you have experience with that, but making a podcast or even coming up with a curriculum, being a teacher a lot, yeah, you have to use creativity. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I guess I'm just curious how you use creativity in your life, what that looks like.
2: The
0: main thing I have realized with all the, and you're you know, wise to know that being a teacher is a very, at least being a good teacher is very much a creative process. It all has to do with empathy for your audience. Mm -hmm. And I, and I mean real empathy like you, as you're creating something, you're actually putting yourself in the shoes of the audience and, and wondering and, and imagining what it would feel like to be them as you present what you're presenting to them. So whether that's the podcast or teaching or even being a therapist, all of these things involve that, you know, like, and I find that a lot of people don't approach these things from that angle. You know, they approach teaching like, like, for instance, when you give students an opportunity to do a presentation, Mm -hmm. and this always drives me crazy. I totally understand it because it's so universal, but it drives me crazy. I'll say, okay, students, I want you to do a presentation at the end of the quarter and you'll have 10, 15 minutes or something. Well, inevitably, 99% of the students will say, okay, the goal here is to seem smart. I have mm-hmm. to prove to everyone that I'm smart and I'm not dumb, and I have all these things to say, and I've done all my research, and I'm going to prove to... and Now, they wouldn't say this consciously, mm-hmm. but that is clearly w- their goal because... They, I give them fifteen minutes, and I say you don't have to use all fifteen. In fact, I might recommend using seven because effective TED talks, for instance, are Mm -hmm. are short. You know, they don't go to the full length. Everyone always goes fifteen or over. One and then two, they will. um, And this isn't a hack on Antioch students. This is just people in general. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They will um, cram too much information onto the slides. They. Will just kind of rattle off the information as quickly as possible. Uh, they're trying to answer every question. You know what I mean? There's little interaction, if at all, any yeah. interaction. Yeah. There's almost no back and forth with the audience. And what I've learned over time, because and that's how I approached teaching in the beginning too. That's absolutely how I approached it. What I've learned over time, how with a students and perhaps the podcast listeners have taught me is that is not what you want. Plus, as a student, that's what that, you know, I went back to graduate school and I had a wide variety of instructors and I would sit there and I would, you know, as a, as a fellow professor, I would evaluate how they were teaching me, Mm -hmm, you know, mm
2: -hmm.
0: and there were some instructors that I loved And there were some instructors that I hated, Mm -hmm. and I was and I was always like one of the first things I would think of was not what the information they were telling me, but the way they were teaching. And I was just like, "Oh, I do that to people sometimes. I am never going to do that again." (laughs) Do you mean just like
1: information overload?
0: Yeah, that. There's so many different things that I'm sure you could list in -hmm. terms of what are annoying about. You know, some teachers.
1: I mean, I think one big thing is is that some teachers are just not excited about what they're teaching.
0: Right. Exactly. So you 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 yeah. want liveliness. And the thing that I've learned over the years is, being a teacher is you're essentially a performer. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's your first job is how to perform. You're essentially an actor or an improv actor or something or a an entertainer or a clown, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're one of those kinds of performers. Right. Secondary to that is you're teaching something to somebody because if you do it the other way around, mm-hmm. you're just imparting knowledge and they can read that in a book. Right. They could watch a video. You're trying to keep them awake. That was, so that's another thing that really taught that was like trial by fire was as an adjunct for so many years, you get stuck with the bad shift Of 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. At Antioch University, when you teach a class, you teach it once per week for three hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, normally at universities, it's like one hour every other day or something. Because we're geared towards the working student, you know, adults, we make it more convenient. So it's like you, if you have a class, it's just Tuesday nights and it's from 7 p.m. to to 10 p.m. A lot of people their bedtime. That's at, at, as a
1: student. That's yeah. rough. I can only imagine as a teacher.
0: Right, and people start falling asleep. Mm-hmm. They start. They start nodding off. <laughs> and on a good day, and let alone at nine thirty at night, and so and some people will have been taking classes since noon, and, yeah. and I'm trying to keep them awake at nine thirty. Well, you learn quick that there are things that put people to sleep and there are things that keep people awake. And I, I you know the students taught me that. There's I mean, have you ever taught a class before? Or I haven't. Have you no. spoken in front of like a like a small crowd of people?
1: Uh, I mean aside from giving a presentation. Yeah,
0: maybe. Hey, did you notice p- where people's eyes oh, were?
1: Oh gosh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very, very, very aware of where people's attention.
0: Right. As an <laughs> audience member, you're only aware of one thing. Right. The, the speaker. As the speaker, you're aware of every single audience member, right. especially in smaller groups. And in Antioch, all our classes are you know usually less than 16. And so when I would be te- talking about something that was interesting to people, every single eye was on me. And when I was born, people, half the eyes or maybe no Mm -hmm. eyes, Mm -hmm. they'd be looking down, right? They'd be doodling,
1: texting, they'd be
0: texting, (laughs) and so um, I, so I learned over time uh, that to be an effective teacher, you you have to be in their shoes. You have to know what puts you to sleep, and Mm -hmm. don't. Do that.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, I think a big part of that is just really just being yourself, like allowing yourself to to insert humor. If yeah. that's, that's,
0: I don't hard. know. It's hard to do, though. You know, like it, that just is depends
1: on what you're teaching and what your audience is. For
0: me, that was really hard. Like when I first started, because I was so nervous, you know, mm-hmm. you know, again, people would say that, like Paul David, my mentor as a teacher, you'd say, just be, relax, just be yourself. And I'd be like, <laughs> That is impossible, sir. I cannot,
1: <laughs> I can't relax. Is there you... a pressure point that like I need to be pressing on? Yeah. That'll help me get there because.
0: It's so terrifying, you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah. What was your original question? <laughs> Something about creativity or how to, what was the original question?
1: Oh gosh, I don't even remember. The creative process. Yeah.
0: But yeah, anyway, the answer to whatever question that was, was, <laughs> was empathy for the audience. Okay. Be in their shoes uh, so for music too, and the podcast, it's like you're always trying to like. For instance, let me just throw out just a tiny little. For instance, when I listen to podcasts, and there's a a, a block of silence. Let's just try that right now. So, let's, I'm I'm going to count to like four, just four seconds. Okay? okay, so don't say anything. That's four seconds. That. When you're when we're in the same room right now, Mm -hmm. and silence in person is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's like okay, we're silent for four seconds. Silence over podcasts is like the great abyss. It feels (laughs) like you are falling into a black hole of nothingness. When I listen to podcasts and they have even just a second of silence, it actually jars me i don't it it's 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 i don't like it do you ever find that
1: gosh i don't well i mean i guess i could see like i'd be starting to like tap on my speaker or something or like did did something like
0: yeah at the very least you're thinking yeah at the very least you're thinking malfunction yeah malfunction well i as a listener learned that and was so bothered by it that i have dedicated myself to never doing that to my listeners And so up until this point, there's been a couple points where you've been thinking Mm -hmm. and it was completely silent for, you know, two or three seconds. Mm -hmm. I will go back after you (laughs) leave here and I'm going to take out those silences, not because you're a terrible person, but because that's, it's a frequent thing that people do when they're talking. Sure. And you don't realize it until you actually record conversations. There's a lot of points where people will just, there's just silence, you know, and in person, no big deal. And so, Because I have, so that's just a tiny little example of how I want to, I'm putting myself in the position of the listener Mm -hmm. and I don't want to put them through that. And so I will take out those silences.
1: You could take them out or you could be like commentator and be like, she's now rolling her eyes. Which I will do. Oh, okay.
0: Uh, Oh, like edit, (laughs) edit in. Yes. No, but I'll do that sometimes. Like, and if you're a listener to the podcast, you might actually hear this sometimes. Like I'll ask Umberto a question. I'll be like, tougher bluff Umberto blah, 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 blah. And then I see his eyes go up to the ceiling and you say something and then I'll, I'll just fill in that space with talk and I'll be, Mm -hmm. I'll say like, okay, you're thinking about it, you know, or I'll repeat the question Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that silence is so bothersome to me. I don't want other people to have to go through that.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Good to know. That's a good tip.
0: Yeah. So listen, you know, to your, so when you make your podcast, Mm -hmm. Think about what you like and don't like, you know, Mm -hmm. and try to like another. Here's another thing. I don't know if you're interested in this. Yeah, yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Tell me.
0: (laughs) Is I most podcasts at my level, which we would, you know, you have the This American Lives and the Radio Labs and then you have like my level podcast, which is, you know, very homegrown and, Mm -hmm. and amateur, you know, shall we say. Well, most of the amateur podcasts, they have long intros. You know, you press on the episode, there'll be a long musical. And I used to have all these things mm-hmm. because I thought, well, this is what everyone else has. And it's sort of based on TV, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, when you press play on a TV show, it never just, it's rare that it just sort of starts. You know, there's usually like some kind of like 60 minutes. You know, Anyway, mm-hmm. the point yeah, is yeah. is... There would, you know, a lot of these podcasts. There'll be like a song, and then there'll be like a a, a common intro that's in every episode. You know, like today's podcast is, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, and now we're going to say hello to our host, you know, Doctor So and So, you mm-hmm, know, it, mm-hmm. it, and it, but it, and then once the host starts talking, it's another few minutes before the content begins.
1: Yeah, that's it's true. like.
0: It's like, how are you doing? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, the weather. You know, just like all this stupid shit. And I and I can and I'm just sitting there listening to this podcast. I'm like, get to the fucking content. Do you know what I mean? And Is that
1: why you just dive in? You're just yes. like Hi listeners.
0: Yes. Ah. So I used to have music and I used to have that banter and now and I and I just it just drives me so crazy. That's so that funny. now I just start the content. Yeah. Like the first second I am there is nothing now now there's ads for the non-premium <laughs> people but for for other people it just starts because that's what I want I want to press play on You're that no, fucking no
1: must no fuss approach
0: Yeah oh I don't want to I don't want to bother people with a bunch of shit that means nothing to the listeners they don't care right. about a stupid song they don't care about banter they don't care about an intro they press on something they want it now and and there's no reason to give them it now you know, so so that's another example of me having yeah. empathy for the listeners. You know, well, so is is that all your questions? Is that satisfy?
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Okay. And I've I've gotten pointers along the way. Yeah. No wh- what do you mean? No long silences. Sins. And <laughs>
0: no long dumb intros. And I'm not saying by any means am I, you know, short of words. <laughs> But I'm trying to not bore people is the thing. Like, that's on my mind.
1: Yeah, no, it's great what you put out there and just appreciate that you take the time to do it, so.
0: Yeah, well, thanks. So there's got to be some times where you're annoyed, though. There's got to be, like, something, when you listen to the podcast, there's got to be some times you're just like, get on with it. <laughs> or there might There might up. be
1: times where it's like, okay, guys, okay. But, I mean... Like you said, I mean, as a, as an audio podcast listener, I kind of enjoy the times where you guys kind of go off and I can just kind of chill for a second, you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I don't mind. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for the podcast. Thanks for coming on the podcast. though, It's always yeah. great to hang out and talk with you.
1: Cool. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well that does it for the episode. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. You yeah. you so much do.